0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome once again this beautiful Sunday morning to the Digital Cathedral. I hope you had a great week and you're anticipating even a better week as it's uh, all before us. We can create it and make it like we would have it to be. I spent the last month, I spent all the all the Sundays of May, which was five Sundays, planting seeds about your I amness, And I realized that when I started that, it was gonna be something relatively new to many of you here at the Digital Cathedral. And we're just beginning to dive deep into that area and to make some discoveries that I think are vitally important to our development as we manifest as sons and daughters of God on this planet. But what I I wanna do uh, for the next three Sundays, I wanna make sure that we remain very grounded in our Christness. I know when I get into some new areas like I am or identity as divinity or the Christ is us life, I break off into some new areas that really grace takes us to. When you begin to, to go uh, broad and deep in grace, it's gonna take you into places that maybe you've never been before. But in going to those new places, I never wanna forget what our foundation is. I never wanna forget what it is that the Christness in us is building not only individually, but as a corporate community. I feel with all of my heart that you and I in this digital cathedral, that we have a hold of something that's bigger. I'll just say it's bigger than me. I know that for sure. When I left the building in 2018, when I no longer was pastoring in a building, which I did for 50 years, I never had that sense of of global impact. It was always the city that I was in, which was Houston for, 40 years, I guess, 41 years uh, of my 50, I always felt like I was there to impact the area, the city, and and Houston is so big that generally you just are impacting a small area of the city, but I don't feel that with the Digital Cathedral. I feel that you and I, and many of us are connected from Australia, from South Africa, from Europe, most every state of the union come to the Digital Cathedral. I feel like God's building something on a bigger basis than what I've ever had a hold of, and you and I are partnering in it together. He has brought us from all over the world, and he's had us come to this one place and continue our journey together. So regardless of all the new things that would seem new to us are not new to the Father, but they're new to us as he's awakening and unveiling to us, As we get into a lot of new stuff, new areas, revelation, we're awakening to things we've never seen before. I never want to forget our roots. I never want to forget where we've come from. I never want to forget, uh, you know, what, what we're all about. And so I want to take three Sundays and just, sometimes I call it stopping the bus. I just want to stop the bus to make sure that we're all traveling in the same direction, but not so much traveling in the same direction. I want to make sure that we're all rooted and grounded in the same vision, in the same in the same direction. Now, I trust by this time at the digital cathedral that you have cut off a lot of religious baggage, and that you're no longer wrestling with things like um, I'm not sure I'm 100% 100% forgiven. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure that I'm 100% forgiven, or you've stripped off that baggage that says it's your duty to serve the Lord. Or how about the one that if you don't live an overcoming life and you don't live a sinless life that somehow he's going to blot your name out of the book of life. I hope a lot of that religious baggage is already gone. Or that you think following Jesus means that you have to give up a lot of things. If you were with me at the Digital Cathedral, you'll find that we just kryptonite all of those, all of those uh, ties and cords and bonds that we brought into the Digital Cathedral from religion. So we're going to kind of flip the coin on those things that we should have stripped off and we're going to look at some things that he is building into us individually and as a community because what we are individually ultimately will determine what we are as a community if you want to change a community you change the individuals so the things that God is working within our lives the things that God's working in me and working in you working in us individually also is going to show itself in the community. So we're going to take a couple of weeks and I want to I want to talk about the highlights of what I see uh, being generated within us, okay, individually and as a community. And this is probably going to take me two weeks and I want to talk one more week on really solidifying what it is that we're, we're doing in the foundation of the whole thing. So let's start this morning over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Very familiar scripture, I use it every now and then, but when we study, um, divinity is identity, or we're getting into our I amness. And please don't let terms confuse you. I know that if you do any reading in metaphysics, or even if you read some New Age writers, some of the things, the terms that I use may correlate to them. And this is why I, I'm, I'm taking a couple of weeks to remind us what our center point is, where we're grounded. And this is what, this is what I'm doing this week and next week and, and probably the following week as well. We're just trying to make sure that we know where we're grounded, where some of the metaphysical writers and New Age writers move off into things that may sound familiar, or you say, boy, that sounds a lot like we're, we're doing it at the Digital Cathedral, but they're not crystal-centric, I'll guarantee you. I don't know any metaphysical writer, and you may know some, you may know no one, uh, that is really crystal-centric and pure, radical grace. So we're gonna look at, look at some things that I think are extremely important. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 is a good verse to work off of. It says this, but we all with an open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Now what that verse is saying is, is that we need to fix ourselves on the glory of the Lord. Do you know what the glory of the Lord really is? It's his magnificence. It's his excellence, it's his majesty, it's his preeminence, it's everything that he is. Everything that he is it composites itself in his glory. The absolute, perfect, inward, personal excellence of the Christ, that's his glory, right? His magnificence, his excellence, majesty, all those things. Now here's, here's, here's the thing. The verse says, as you look at them, as you look at his glory, without a veil, without any covering, without any religiosity, as you look at at his glory, that you are going to be changed into the same image, that you're going to be changed into what you're looking at. Now, what strikes me in that verse is that he's not talking about effort. He's not talking about work. He's not talking about religious hoop jumping. He says one thing, if you'll just look at it. Concentrate on it, focus on it, meditate on it. That's where, really, I think, what he's driving at. Just let it begin to saturate you. That what you're looking at, the glory of the Lord. And the more you ponder and meditate about His glory, the deeper it goes. The more you see, and the more you see, the more you become. And that's where, that's kind of really where we're at right now with our I-ness and identity as divinity and the Christ as us. Life. We have looked at the Christ long enough that what He is is not becoming very recognizable in us. I'm seeing more of the Christ in you all of the time, and I hope you're picking up more of it at the, at the cathedral every week. And it's a change again, not by effort, but by the influence of, of the Father as you rest in Him. He accomplishes so much in our life when we rest. He accomplishes so much in our life when we stop the striving and, the, and, the, and all of the effort that we've put in to try to become something, try to modify our behavior, what what's the potential what's the potential when you look into that mirror with an unveiled face no religious no religious uh, blinders on what is, what is the potential well it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 12 and 13 let me let me hop over there i want you to see the potential individually and i want you to see the potential that we have corporately out of this one path, passage of scripture Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 says this and he gave some to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for the equipping of the Saints that the Saints might do the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ so he's talking about a work that is done corporately till we all come to the unity of the faith the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so what's the potential that we have individually now, he, he draws this in. I like the way that he draws it in, individually and then corporately. The potential that we have, and this is what we're shooting at with I Amness and identity as divinity, it's to bring us, first of all, individually, to the measure, this is big, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Remember what Paul said in Colossians, that in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In verse 10, you're complete in him. So what Paul is saying here in Ephesians is that the potential we have in looking into this mirror and meditating and seeing the glory of the Lord, which is going to change us into the same image, it will ultimately bring us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then verses 14, 15, and 16, he talks about the connectedness that we have. Look at verse 14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ. So we grow into the head from whom the whole body, that's you and me here at the digital cathedral, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every Joint supplies. Every one of us here at the Digital Cathedral have a part to play in this. The comments you make, the sharing of the video. Uh, maybe you have a, a, a small Bible study group that you show this this teaching in and then you lead a discussion. Or I have no problem if you take what I teach, outline it, add, add your own meat to the skeleton, put your own personality, your own verses in it, if what you see, and teach it. If I, can do, if I can say something at the Digital Cathedral that will inspire you or bring a revelation for you to do something and carry it further, I'm all for it. Believe me, I, I won't feel bad at all if that's what happens. But notice what he says, every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share which causes growth of the body and it edifies itself in love. So that's what we're doing here. That's exactly what we're doing. So it starts when you have an encounter with truth himself. When we have an encounter, all of us had an encounter. We had an encounter with grace. We had an encounter with the revelation of the finished work of the cross. And it it transforms us when you have an encounter. Just ask Paul. Paul's whole life flipped when he had an encounter. So what does a hyper radical grace person, and ultimately a community look like? What, what, is the, what is the Spirit of God today building into our lives, and what is He building into our community? We read in Acts chapter two, verses 42 to verse 47, how radical it was in the book of Acts, and I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that what we're gonna be doing is duplicating what they did in Acts. That was for them at that time in that season. But I do think that the the Digital Cathedral and you and I who come regularly, that we're going to reflect a community that is just as radical, right? So what I wanna do, I wanna name some things. I wanna present to you some things that I think that we need to keep in, in the forefront of our thinking as people and as a community point forward as we study I amness, as we study more about our identity as divinity, as we study more about the Christ as us life, as grace broadens us out, as grace takes us deeper, as we get more revelation of the finished work of the cross, as the Father's unconditional love for us expands, we need to understand some things. How, how will we look individually and as a community? All right, number one, will, I think, will be this. We will manifest Jesus and nothing but Jesus. I'm a Jesus guy. If you, if you, listen, if you've outgrown Jesus, you're not gonna be happy at the Digital Cathedral because I'm gonna talk about Jesus Sunday morning and Wednesday night both. I'm just, that's me, I'm a Jesus freak. I, I look to Jesus for a lot. He is the sole focus. And if, and if we're building a, a community that will reflect him, and become manifested sons of God after the pattern, son, then he's gonna be at the forefront. It's gonna be evident, it's gonna be obvious, it's gonna be clear and plain. The pattern of the life of Jesus will be the pattern of our lives and the pattern of our community. I think the greatest need that our world has today is to get a full unrestricted revelation of the Christ that dwells in them. They have no idea They have no idea. They go to church every week. They get no revelation of the Christ that is within. I mean, what what I'm saying here is exactly what Paul said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter two, this has gotta be the heart cry, I think at the Digital Cathedral. 1 Corinthians chapter two, and let me just read what Paul said uh, about about, uh, manifesting nothing but Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, two, and let me pick it up in verse two. He says this, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. See, it doesn't depend on that. But it came in demonstration of the spirit because of the focus the man had on the Christ. He says in verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So he, he says uh, right, right off the bat, verse 2, he said, I, I don't want to be known for anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I determine not to know anything. That's, that's the focus. That's the forefront. And that revelation of, of, of keeping him in the center is going to produce people that are led by the Spirit. You have to be. If you emulate him, if he becomes the pattern, you adapt and you grow to the glory that you're looking at, you'll become very sensitive in spirit. You'll no longer live your own life, but Christ will live as us. And we will eat from one tree as Jesus and Paul did, we'll eat from the tree of life and we'll live from a right identity. And you know what? Most of all, first Adam, first Adam will no longer have preeminence over last Adam. I really wear out with religious people that exalt the power of the first Adam and his impact on humanity over the impact of last Adam. Everybody's a universalist when it comes to first Adam. They think first Adam blew everybody out of the water. But when it comes to Jesus, then all of a sudden you have to do something. You have to have faith. You have to make a request. You have to live a certain way for for the last Adam to have any impact on your life. Image and likeness of the Father as reflected in Jesus will be seen in every person. And you know what? You know what? <clears throat> when Jesus, when we manifest Jesus and nothing but Jesus, we will no longer know people after the flesh. People's actions aren't going to bug us anymore. But I tell you, I'm just about at that point where, where what people do, I, I, I don't see what they do. I see what's in them. I see the Christ that's in them. And... It's happening today. This thing that I'm talking about is happening today. He has entered the temple right here, not made with hands. And he has turned the tables of religious tradition upside down. He's taken all the tables of self-righteousness that we pinned on ourselves because of all the good stuff we did, all the prayers we prayed and all the confessions we made and how we separated ourselves from, from other people. He's driving everything out that does not align with what he reflected in his earthly walk. Jesus didn't come to compete. He didn't come to compete the Baptists against the Pentecostals or the Catholics against the Presbyterians. He didn't come to share space. Jesus came to take over through the kingdom that he presented. He didn't bring us a kingdom that's supposed to compete with the kingdoms of the world. He brought us a kingdom that His sons manifest, that kingdom will absolutely dominate. What do you think would happen? Just let me ask you, what do you think would happen if Jesus no longer shared time and space with people that practice just a little bit of law? You know, just, a, just mixed a little bit of grace and law? or. Uh, mixed in some self-help. People go to church today, what they hear a message of self-help or pop psychology. What would happen if Jesus was totally free of that in his presentation to people that comes through teachers and pastors and, and believers? You know, we have to, I think sometimes we have to be really careful because we do become pop psychologists. Somebody asks a question on Facebook and we immediately go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to answer it. And if we don't, and that's just an opinion, if we don't have something from the Spirit, we might as well just be quiet. What would happen if we actually gave him the sole right-of-way to pull out of his riches in glory to give us everything that we needed? See, seven steps won't do that. Fifteen keys to a great life will not do that. The greatest gift that we can give to the world is a full manifestation, a reflection of the Christ that dwells within. And as we embrace no distinction between the head and the body, see, we just read from the scripture, he's the head, we're the body. There's no distinction. Whatever the head is, the body is. Wherever the head goes, the body goes. Whatever the head believes, it's reflected in the body. We have, to, we have to come to a place where there's absolutely no separation from the head and the body, all right? So that's, if, you're, if we're gonna keep going, I want you to know Jesus will always have a center focus in our life and in this community. All right, second of all, what, what, what is he doing within us and what is he doing within our community? He's positioning us where we reveal a Father that looks just like Jesus. Let me say that again. He's developing within us our perception, and if, you, if you're not there, you, we need to get there, where we reveal a father that looks just like Jesus. That might be the biggest paradigm challenge that we have in the world, because people don't see a father that looks like Jesus. They see a dualistic, they see a dualistic picture. They see God one way and Jesus another way. And so for generations, what we've done in the church is we have mixed An Old Testament God with what Jesus said the Father was like and the church has tried to take verses from the Old Testament that showed an angry judicial uh, God that would order the annihilation of babies and entire cities that would rain down fire and judgment and tried to try to fit that With with a reflection of Jesus, tried to fit it like a jigsaw puzzle, take verses from the old verses from the new and try to make it work. There there is no puzzle to fit together. They don't fit together. There's a scripture that needs to be fully embraced and accepted. And this is one of the this is one of the scriptures that we need to highlight because you and I need to reveal a father that looks like Jesus with our lifestyle, with our words, with our actions. And when we do, you know what? We will act. Different toward people, we become like the God we serve. I, I I don't have to be around people very long before I know what kind of God they have. If you're judgmental, harsh, dictate after people, want people to measure up to a standard, I know what kind of God you serve. You serve a God of the same of the same ilk, right? Here's a verse from John chapter six and verse forty-six. This is this is one of those verses you probably ought, ought to highlight and uh, take your pen and underline, because this is is a potent verse. John chapter 6 and verse 46. And we'll read a couple more verses that reiterate this. John chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said this. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Now notice what he says. Not that anyone has seen the Father. Moses didn't see the Father. Elijah didn't see the Father. Jeremiah didn't see the Father. Isaiah didn't see the Father. John the Baptist didn't see the Father. Jesus says it specifically. If you want to know what the Father's like, you better look at Jesus. We need to present a Father that looks and acts like Jesus. If you see an act in the Old Testament that is not manifested, listen to me, that is not manifested in the life of Jesus in the Gospels, then don't believe the account in the Old Testament. I'm sorry if if that shakes you. The Bible is not inerrant. It is full of, of man's views and opinions. And in the Old Testament, they were seeing through a glass darkly. They were seeing dimly. Jesus came. Jesus is the only one. Let me just say it real real simply. He is the only one who has seen and accurately reveals the Father. That was made known on the Mount of Transfiguration with, with Elijah the prophet and Moses the law. And Jesus the Son, and the Father says, That's my Son, I want you to hear him. Didn't say here a third prophet, a third uh, uh, law and a third the son. He just he set the other two aside and said, You need to hear him. And Jesus said, I'm the only one that seemed, the only one that seems the one that came from him, and that's me. Jesus came. I think one of the main missions of Jesus, he came to clear up every misrepresentation, every false picture that were that was created by fear and mistrust that has crept into the church because of what we have read in the Old Testament. And we've had a dualism. We've seen God and we've seen Jesus. And we've accepted God one way and taught Jesus another. The linchpin of the gospel is no dualism, is no separation between the Father and the Son. There is absolutely none. They are one. Jesus is the only one to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, John John understood that. Let me just hit a couple of more verses. John chapter 1, verse 18. He says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father He has declared him. So Jesus is, John 1.18 is saying very clearly that Jesus is the one that has declared the accurate picture of the Father. So at the Digital Cathedral, what you're gonna hear is a Father that looks just like Jesus. You're not gonna hear about a judgmental, um, caustic, punitive, vindictive God of the Old Testament. That is not my daddy. That is not my daddy. My daddy's gotten a lot of bad press from religion. it's time that we bent toward Jesus and let Jesus clear up the picture and reveal to our world what the Father really is like. There can be millions and millions of people that one day when they see the Father, they're going to be embarrassed and they're going to have to apologize for all the crap that they told about him that was not true. Presenting him in a, in a, in a light that was not reflective at all of what Jesus said. When, John, when Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, he said this. John chapter 17, let me just read two verses. Verse 25 and 26. He said, Righteous Father, the world has not known you. The world has not known you. But I have known you, and these have known that you, that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them see what what jesus was saying is when you get a right picture of the father then the love of the father will automatically come into the lives of people look what he said in that 26 verse i can sit on this all day and i have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love which you loved me may be in them and i in them that's when you get a right picture of the father and until until we are changed in mind, and until we embrace a Father that looks just like Jesus, we can't, with a lot of conviction, teach grace, we can't teach finished work of the cross, we can't teach identity as divinity, we can't teach, it all hinges around getting a right view of the Father. Your mind is is renewed. Your mind is renewed to what Jesus said about the Father over an Old Testament God by two things. One is by knowledge, right? It's an understanding of what Jesus said. And when you understand the Father, you gotta understand his nature, It's pure love. There is nothing but love that comes from the Father. If we're gonna get a right view of the Father, then it comes by two ways. First way is knowledge, and second of all is by experience. When through intimate relationship, you experience his love. I'm telling you, this is what blew me out in 2003 as I got a revelation of the fatherhood of God. And for the first time in my life, after 40 years as a pastor, think about it, I really knew God loved me apart from my behavior and my actions. See, I had an encounter. I had an experience. A man that has knowledge and experience, you'll never move him off. He he will absolutely know. When you have knowledge, but no experience, you dry up. If you have experience and no knowledge, you might blow up, right? You've got to have more than an experience. You need knowledge. You need the two together. The church has done a horrendous job at PR for the Father. We've presented Him in in, in a really bad light. We've maligned Him. We've misrepresented. We've shown Him in a false light. And I think one of the primary jobs of this, this emerging global grace community that you and I are part of, I think, I I know that one of the major jobs we have is to be persistent in presenting a Father that looks exactly, talks exactly, and deals with us exactly like Jesus did. This is the game changer. Until, Until the world has the right perception of the Father, we're not moving too far. So the only way they're gonna get that is through our representation of it. The way the disciples got it was through the representation of Jesus. And the way our world is gonna get it is through our representation. But we can't represent it until we're fully convinced of it. So this is what God's working in us. And we're never gonna move from that. We're never gonna move from presenting a father that looks like Jesus. And number one, we're not gonna ever move from being anything but Jesus-focused. We're gonna present him, manifest him, show him, reveal him, and let all men know that the Christ that is within them is going to reveal the Father and that he's good. All right, number three. Number three. Now, this is going to be, just, I'm going to shift just a little bit, but I want you to make sure you get this. Individually and as a community, we will value the ethics of Jesus and the theology of Paul. Let me just run that by you again we're going to we're going to value the ethics of Jesus and the theology of Paul. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? All right. Let's look at a verse. Matthew chapter 15 verse 24. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 24. I want you to get this and I don't want you to ever forget it because this is this makes for a good hermeneutic or a help to interpret scripture. If you don't understand this, you're going to try to make everything that Jesus said be for, be be to you you're gonna to try to personalize everything and it's not to you look what Jesus said Matthew chapter 15 verse 24 he answered and said I am not sent I am not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel who is that that's the Jews Jesus came to the Jews to show them the futility of the law and the need of a savior Everything Jesus said it can be for us. We can pull a lot out of it. But listen, it is not to us. What Jesus said was to the Jews. In fact, Jesus Jesus a lot of times on purpose skirted around Gentile cities. He he did not he did not go to the Gentiles. He handpicked Paul to go to the Gentiles. He handpicked Paul to come to the Gentiles and present the gospel. In Acts chapter 9, let me give you just a couple verses here because this is such an important distinction and you and I have got to begin to where we understand that and we, we begin to read the, the scriptures it, with that understanding. Things Jesus said can be for us, but I'm telling you, it was not to you acts chapter 9 and verse 15 the lord said go for he is a chosen vessel am i speaking about paul to bear my name before gentiles kings and the children of israel that was paul's charge then we find in uh all right just let me hit it again verse 22 but saul increased all the more in strength and and confounded the jews who dwelt in damascus proving that jesus is the christ verse 23 verse 20 um yeah verse uh 22 now after many days were passed the jews plotted to kill him now come over to acts chapter 22 i meant to go there first acts chapter 22 and verse 21 i want you i want to nail down for you who jesus was sent to and who paul was sent to 22 21 for he said me depart for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles that's Jesus speaking to Paul then we find in Galatians this thing begins to take a little bit of shape and this is important to understand as well because when you read some of the other writings of Peter James and John you need to understand something in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9 and when James and, and Cephas, which was Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, watch, that we should go to the Gentiles and they would go to the circumcised or they would go to the Jews. This is why when you read some of what James, see James talks about faith without works is dead. Paul talks about faith apart from works. There's a different audience. There's a different, there's a different group of people that they're ministering to. James starts his book out and says, James, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He tells you right up front, this is written to Jews. This is written to Jews. Peter, James, and John, you have to understand something. They were working with a generation that lived on both sides of the cross, Jews. They were trying to transition the Jews from law to grace. And in doing that, it's just like I'm I'm just going to shoot you straight. It's like Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, and others that teach a mixture message. The only thing sometimes you have you have to teach a mixture to get people out of religion and get them moving toward grace. And I thank God for Joseph Prince. He's a bridge. He was a big bridge for me when I first began to see this message of grace. I read everything Joseph Prince I could get my hands on, but there came a time that I began to see that it's a mixture. He still teaches tithing, he still teaches, you know, different things, I don't wanna get into it, but there comes a time that you outgrow that. All right, Peter, James, and John were the Joseph Prince of their day to the Jews. They were bringing people out. They were ministering to a transitional generation where Paul was sent straight to people that had no background, had no religiosity, uh, so to speak, in Mosaic law to try to overcome. So there were different audiences. There's four blocks of scripture that I think will set your life and theology, in good stead, okay? Remember now, Jesus, with Jesus, we value his ethics, we value his moral teaching, but Paul is our theologian. Paul's the one we get our doctrine from. Now there's two two blocks of scripture that Jesus taught and two that Paul taught, and I want you to be familiar with these because when you teach, when you uh, speak with people, you have to understand, Jesus was speaking to Jews, Paul comes to the Gentiles. So Peter, James, and John continued the ministry of Jesus to the Jews, and you will see a little bit of works in Peter, James, and John, because they're working with Jews to bring them out of, where the Gentiles, they're not bringing them out of anything. He's just taking them straight in. He's revealing the Christ that was always in them. Now, one one passage of scripture that teaches the ethics and the morals that Jesus has in the kingdom for us is Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, called the Sermon on the Mount. You wanna know how you're to conduct yourself? Read Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, and I think the summary is good in chapter seven, verses 24 to 29, where Jesus said that a wise man builds his life on the sayings of Jesus. And in two weeks, I'm gonna talk to you more about that, but five, six, and seven of Matthew. Then the other one is John chapter 15, verses one to 17, which is where where John does the teaching about the vine and the branches. And the first four verses are the crux of the teaching that John gives, which is a life of union and a life of of development where we become more fruit bearing. And there's there's a lot of good uh, truth of union in that passage. And, which is moral and, and ethic living we're, we're one with him and also in the Sermon on the Mount now when it comes to Paul there's there's two there's two good passages one is Romans chapter 5 and I want to read these of Paul because this this is the theology and when you when you understand that Paul went to the Gentiles here's what happens a lot of time this happens on Facebook a lot you say one of the truths of Paul that's very inclusive very inclusive very universal in his approach and immediately somebody will try to uh, contradict it or neutralize it with something Jesus said. See, but it's different audiences. We don't rightly divide the word. We don't rightly divide that Jesus, Peter, James, and John went to the Jews, Paul comes to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas went to the Gentiles. So when Paul writes to Titus, he's writing to a Gentile. When, he, when the other guys are, are speaking, they're speaking to the Jews. John, John first, second, third, John is speaking to people that are coming out of Judaism. So you have to understand it when you read it. But here's, here's good theology. You want good theology? Let me give you some of Paul's good theology. In Romans <clears throat> chapter five, you know what? And even Paul grew in his theology. Paul, there's a different Paul that writes as his letters progress. Watch this. Romans chapter five, you want some good theology? I'm gonna give you some good theology right here. Verses eight through 11, Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. All right, let's read on, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, see this is Paul's theology, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He just pulls all of the, there's no religiosity in it. There's no acts, there's no uh, hoops, there's no law in that, there's no mixture. He's just telling us flat out, man, you were, he came and reconciled you when you were an enemy. You didn't have anything to say about it. You know, not was no choice. It wasn't a free will, to, he did the work, see. Now somebody, you do that and say, well, yeah, but you know what Jesus said. You know what James said. You know, and they quote something that's to a different people group. He's our theologian. Right, let me come down to verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So everybody got the free gift. It's been direct deposited into your life in the same way. See, Paul finally is the only one, and and religion has trouble with this. Paul is the one that says, look, what first Adam did, last Adam nullified. He made it far beyond that. All right, let me just read on. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. Same many. If you're going to make many unrighteous, then you're going to have to make the same many righteous through the second man. Right, verse, verse 20. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. You can, see, Paul's saying, guys, you can't out grace. You can't outsend grace. So that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that that Romans 5, that is a tremendous theological passage that Paul lays out. Now, let me just give you one more. My time's getting away from me quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. You died your death already. You were crucified with Christ. Then he says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which we are, he just got done saying we were, we're a new creation. You're not a made over old one. You're a brand new creation. Old things passed away, all things became new. Now all things are of God who has, past tense, reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What the church should be doing today is not telling people how sinful they are, they should be telling people how reconciled they are. But because we haven't, we've got a mixture going on. We, We have got to teach the ethics and morals of Jesus, but the theology of Paul. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them when you when you teach that people's trespasses are not being imputed that's a that's an accounting term means added up they're not being kept account of There's no no score on them you teach that you're called a heretic because the church has taught for generations that you're just an old sinner and you need to confess your sins now what about 1 John 1 9? Hey, 1 John is written to Jews that were used to making a sacrifice. And so Paul or John is saying, look, you want to make a sacrifice? Good. The sacrifice is to confess your sins. And when you confess him, you need to understand he's faithful and just because he's already forgiven them. That's what Paul is getting at. So you can, you can look for a, a divinity, embracing I amness community to live a life that is ethically and morally like Jesus, but embraces and includes everybody in the good news theology that Paul presented. Are are, are you with me? All right. So what is God doing with us? I'm not going to be able to go any further than that. I've I've got seven of these. So next Sunday morning, I'll give you the, the other four. So what are we talking about? So far we're talking about here's what God's doing in us and here's what he's doing in the digital cathedral in in a global community. And if he can keep us knit together with number one, Jesus being the focus. Number two, presenting a right view of the Father that looks just like Jesus. And number three, if we can learn to walk morally and ethically in the teaching of Jesus but abide by the theology of Paul, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna be well founded. We're gonna be, we're gonna have a good foundation under us. So that when we move when grace leads us into some other areas like I amness and identity as divinity, people don't freak out because they're gonna know Jesus is at the forefront. That we're serving a father that looks like Jesus, that we're morally and ethically sound people. We have built a life on the saying, doing the sayings of Jesus and our theology is inclusive, it has embraced everybody. Can I just tell you that Jesus is building his church? He said he was gonna build it, and the gates of death, the gates of hell, the gates of religion would not prevail against it. He's constructing it with building material from all over the world, and that excites me to know when. It excites me to be part of something bigger than I am, and it excites me to see you here with me. and I. I I encourage you all the time don't believe what I'm telling you you need to get it for yourself because he's building a worldwide community and he's connecting us globally to other people that are hearing what we're hearing that's the beautiful part of it to them it says in 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 uh, what is it Colossians 127 to them God will to make known the mystery of Christ in you that's what we're teaching that's what we wanna to present to the world. You are a chosen, appointed, anointed generation, and we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm telling you, our time is now. Our time is today. And we need to realize that we need, we need to put skin in the game. We need to, to make a commitment into, not me, not what I'm doing, but into something that's bigger than us, Into a into a community that stretches around the world. Because listen, God's gonna knit this much bigger. I have, I have a much bigger vision than what we're doing right now. And all it takes is, is people. I'm telling you how it works. You know, I didn't have a podcast for a long time, and God sent a lady that would do a podcast. I'd never written a book, and a lady sent, God sent a lady that would help me to actually publish books, which I've got too, Hell's Illusion and uh, Religion Busters. And what, what's gonna happen in your life as you're, as you're knit? And one lives here in Texas and the other one lives in Australia. I, I've had other people that have said, let me help with this and let me do that, you know? And they've entered into, and I've got people right now that use the digital cathedral for small group teachings. That's wonderful. You can use it or if you wanna look at it and and take what I'm teaching and teach it to to other people, that's fine, take it and run with it. This is not my stuff. This is what the Lord has revealed. I don't, I don't have, a copyright, I'm not like a, a singer that, you know, is gonna <laughs> cause you a big problem if you sing my song or teach my, teach my teaching, I'm, I'm not after that. It wasn't mine to begin with, he gave it to us. He's building a community, you're part of it. I want you to feel part of it. I want, you to, I want you to begin to get a vision for something way bigger than yourself. Wherever you're at in the world, wherever you're at in the world, God placed you there and then he began to connect you to other people. Let's recognize that. Let's keep Jesus at the front. Let's present a father that looks just like Jesus. And let's learn to morally and ethically walk like Jesus. And let's get the theology of Paul down tight. And let's don't back up an inch on it. It's very inclusive. It's very anti-religious. And you're going to have to expect pushback. You're going to have to get thick skin. You're going to have to understand rejection. And one of the things the Lord showed me when I was going through it a few years ago, was this, the people that got you to where you are today, thank God for them, but they may not be the people that get you to where you're going. The Father will bring people in and surround you with those that will help you to get where you're going. God bless you. Thank you for being with me this morning. Next week, I wanna pick up on this. We'll just dovetail right into this with four, five, six, and seven, uh, four more things that he's building into us, building into our community that we can have impact as we teach, and live out things like identity as divinity and we begin to grasp our I amness and the power to create that is within us. Oh, this is gonna get good. God bless you, we'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget Wednesday night, seven o'clock, Don Keith Lee ministry page, seven o'clock central time uh, for The Secret Place. We'll see you then. Thank you for your prayers, thank you for your monthly support. It helps a whole lot, more than what you probably realize. Uh, If you can't do something monthly, just whenever whenever you're able to. And if you can't, that's fine too. You're part part of the family. You're included no matter what. Love you guys very much. And you're you're an intricate part of my life. We'll see you next time.